Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Rick Carlisle going to join us coming up top of the hour. 8 o'clock, Greg Doyle at 8.30. You know, I got thinking during the break, KB. I think you'll like this. Uh, I know why Jonathan Taylor will not play on Sunday. You ready for this? If I if I just throw sure. out there, yeah, yeah, if yeah. I just throw out some half, you know what reason, right? Yeah. I say this with a smile, obviously, uh, because it's in Lucas Oil. Remember going back to the preseason, yeah. Anthony Richardson didn't play in Lucas Oil, and they never win in Lucas Oil. So why would Jonathan Taylor play in Lucas Oil? He'll play next week in Jacksonville. What do you think? <laughs> let's say for some reason the Colts, you know, they go out there Sunday. They decide let's announce the offense. Jonathan Taylor's a starter. Just throw out the hypothetical. Oh what, yeah. What do you think the reaction would be from the crowd? I think the reaction will be mixed, but I think it will be more cheers than boos. Is that fair? I mean, because in the end, you have people there that are Colts fans that spent a lot of money that own Jonathan Taylor jerseys that want to see this work out, and they know with him playing along with Moss and along with Rich. Richardson, I mean, that's a hell of a, an attack on the running game. I mean, it is. Yeah, I would say maybe the reaction would be a bit tempered, like a little scaled back from what it usually I mean, Taylor's usually one of, if not the loudest cheer. What if he you rips know, off an 18-yarder on the, his first right. run? <laughs> and again, once he's on the field, right. obviously, they're going to react to that. But I'm talking a little bit more of like those pregame intros. Um, I do think you certainly have fans that are upset with how Taylor's handled this situation, and that is totally understandable. Again, I think it's been beyond childish um, how Taylor and his camp have handled things. But at the same time, those fans, in all likelihood, are probably the same fans that have walked inside of Lucas Oil Stadium for each of the last seven times and walked out of there having seen their team lose seven straight games. Again, it is a 1991 season. you got to go back to that, the last time the Colts lost. Uh, eight straight at home. That's what they'll be trying to avoid coming up on Sunday. I obviously want to get to Taylor, but I, I, I do want to mention a little bit more on the Dallas Flowers front, if you don't mind, Andy. Okay, Dallas Flowers corner tears his Achilles late in the game on Sunday. His season is over. Um, you know, I, I think we're the, obviously the bummer is to Flowers. I mean, he's an undrafted free agent from two years ago, and what a great opportunity. And I thought he was playing decent football for you, uh, maybe better than decent, to be fair. And clearly was someone the staff wanted to evaluate. And I think that's where the big bummer is for the Colts and the big picture view is cornerback's an important position. It's a position with really little definite moving forward. Obviously, you hope Juju Brintz is one of those guys, but no one has entrenched themselves as, oh yeah, here's a puzzle piece for the next three to five years. Flowers had the ability to do that, and now if you look at kind of your your cornerback breakdown, you started the year with, I think, five young corners. Flowers was one of them. Obviously, Juju Brents is another. And then in some order, you would have put Daryl Baker Jr. Mm-hmm. You would put Jalen Jones, Jalen the seventh-round pick. Yep. And then the fifth one would be Darius Rush. Well, of course, Darius Rush was cut at the end of the preseason. He is now on the Chiefs practice squad. I'll be curious to see if they try to look into bringing him back at all. And Flowers has, of course, torn his Achilles. Uh, Daryl Baker Jr. has already been benched. So if you look at the five, <laughs> in a way, Andy, and of course Baker Jr. will in all likelihood right. get some sort of another well, opportunity. Juju Brents had a slow start to his career, obviously, fighting injuries, missing the offseason. But you've gone from five to like two to three yeah, to really two and quickly a half. before you know even barely the month of October is here. So I think that's where the sting comes into play. I don't necessarily look at it and be like, oh my gosh, you know, you have all these elite wideouts coming up on the schedule and you know that's a huge, huge deal. Again, I was very good with the youth movement at corner. The positions that don't impact Anthony Richardson, I'm good with it. But it is disappointing when you talk about an important position without a lot of definites for the future. This injury is certainly a notable one. Well, I mean, I think there's a couple things. Going back to the conversation that you had about 20 minutes ago and then that right there and to tie it all together, to me, when you start to see injuries pile up, 
it hits it hits the Colts right in the groin. It it, it hits them where it hurts, and that is we knew going into this season, KB, that they did not have a lot of depth on the team, right? And so, what is going to happen here if they lose games and as injuries pile up? Because that's what injuries do in the NFL. That's going to be. I don't want to say the new because people have been talking about it, but it's absolutely going to be the next thing that people club Chris Ballard over the head on is, well, you didn't have enough corners. So a guy or two gets injured and, and now you can't cover anybody. Well, you didn't have, you know, a couple offensive linemen had to sit out for a couple weeks and uh, you didn't have anybody. What, what is worrisome is people have been harping corner offensive line and immediately you've been hit there with the injury bug at those two positions, right? Well, and I think this too, Andy, and I, and I hope I explain this correctly, so there's a youth movement at corner, correct? We would agree with that, which, I, which I'm with you. I, you. You throw the young guys out there in a transition season, you got to find out what they can do, and the best way to do that is to play football. We agree. Why is there a youth movement at corner? It's because you just won four games in the sixth year of the Chris Ballard era. So while I can acknowledge I'm content with the youth movement at corner, I think I also can sit here and Andy say, the reason you have a youth movement is because your GM has failed you through the first six years of his regime. Well, it's like Sunday. And you just won four games, so now you need some yeah. youth movements in areas. I hope that no, makes no. sense. Well, like, like- I, 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 I'm good with it, but we all can acknowledge the reason why you have to have yeah, it. The it, reason why where you Stephon Gilmore is now a Dallas Cowboy and not back with the Indianapolis Colts is because you were so bad last year, you had had to strip a lot down to really the bottom barrel. And so I I just kind of want to make sure that that is clear to me of um, I'm fine with the reset, but the reset had to happen because your GM in particular has failed you in that position group and some others that contributed to a four-win season. And, you know, if you want to throw, it's now seven straight home losses. All of, I mean, you know, you you're still hovering around some historic stuff with your football team in a negative light that you would obviously like to like to correct. The best thing that aligns to what you're saying, it's like Sunday. We all enjoyed the comeback, the gritty nature. But let's not forget you played a terrible first half where you were down 23 nothing. Again, I'm fine with a youth movement. Kevin Bowen is fine with a youth movement. But the reason you're doing a youth movement is because you have failed sure. years prior exactly. to sure up that position, to get a free agent, to draft better, to develop better, and all those things. I mean, you even look at it. So if you take, I mean, the offensive lineman. I'm like, Raymond and Kelly, that's a huge deal. I don't need to tell Colts fans. They understand. We talked about offensive line depth and it's absolutely been affected and you absolutely saw it on Sunday and a couple guys needed some help, by the way, on that offensive line. And then you mentioned defensive backfield and corner and everything else. That's where Flowers comes into play. And then just a cherry on top is Quiddy Pay. I mean, it's a guy that's been uh, up and down. It's a guy that we started doing this show. I mean, he was one of your focuses this yeah. season was, hey, what is he going to be? And he's been all right, but now he wasn't all right on Sunday, and now he's injured. And I'm, you get a concussion, I kind of feel like, what is it, 80, 85% of the time you miss a game? Yeah, concussion protocol again for Quiddy Pay. That developed after the game on Sunday. He had a very quiet game. I thought he had a nice first two or three games to start this season, but a really quiet game for him on Sunday. So now he joins Bernard Ryman and Ryan Kelly. Um, let's get back to the Jonathan Taylor situation. Again, as Shane Steichen laid out yesterday, Jonathan Taylor will practice this week. The Colts elected to, I guess, cancel their Wednesday practice. They will have a walkthrough instead. So that means just two practices for Taylor uh, coming up here this week, Thursday and Friday. Anything Steichen uh, related that he said yesterday. It's the most expansive he's been on Taylor. He certainly, I think, offered a lot of positive viewpoints with this. Obviously, we've got to still hear from Taylor, who we haven't heard from since mid-June. But anything Steichen related to this? Sh- should we play it? I think Mark and I have our computer issue figured out. You guys I, ba- I, I basically just turned mine off to all of this. So, Mark is controlling all of it right he's now. He's in computer timeout, basically. <laughs> You've been grounded? I, I, have, been, mm-hmm. I have been grounded until 9 
9.57 a.m. this morning. Uh, here's Stike in a mashup, 30, 40 seconds of everything he had to say yesterday about JT. He'll be back with the team. He's practicing Wednesday. He'll be out there with us. Uh, had great conversations with him. He's super excited to be back. Uh, with his teammates and look forward to having him. Yeah, no, he's he's in good shape conditioning-wise. Obviously, you know, putting on the pads and practicing is a different deal. Um, and I know it's been a long time since he's played football. Um, so we'll see, you know, how practice goes this week, see where he's at uh, physically from, uh, you know, putting the pads on, and we'll go from he's there. a big-time player. He's explosive. Uh, you know, he can hit the home runs. You know, when he sees the hole, that explosive breakaway speed, uh, great vision, power, obviously one of the top backs in this league. Uh, without a doubt. So excited to get him back with his teammates uh, on Wednesday on the field. Again, I'll, we'll have those conversations, see where he's at, if he feels good, and then we'll rotate him in if he's ready to go, for sure. Again, Andy, he plays a position, Taylor, that you obviously can rotate in at. So I think that is what I point to and think, man, I, I understand that he could play maybe earlier than some other positions. I was talking with Joel A. Erickson yesterday, and Joel was like, Remember, when Nick Bosa signed his deal, mm-hmm. he then played that very Sunday. When Chris Jones, Chris Jones you know, yep. added the incentives to his one-year deal, he then played. So could you make the same comparison to Taylor? Where I would probably counter that is Nick Bosa and Chris Jones were happy. Jonathan Taylor is not happy, right? And, and I don't know, maybe we have to hear that. And Taylor did have surgery in January. We can argue the magnitude of right. that the and severity where he's right. at, but he did have an off-season surgery, and he has not practiced since mid-December of the umpteenth players in NFL history that have missed 50 straight practices, have had off-season surgery, and have not practiced in what is approaching now 10 months. I tend to think two practices would not be enough, but uh, Shane Steichen clearly is not going to slam the door shut just yet on that. Yeah, I, listen, I don't think he plays on Sunday, but it is, like you mentioned, KB, a position where if he did, you can kind of plug and play, right? You can, I mean, to a certain extent, that's what we feel about running back. I, I just, you know, to me, I'm trying to... Uh, NFL coaches give such little information on injured players, right? And Steichen is going to be one of those guys as well. And so I feel like there is a sense of information and a sense of optimism that he's giving us with all of this. And I don't know whether to believe it or not. And I don't mind saying it. Like, is he... To me, it's here's what it sounds like the most uh, that I get away from it. That JT is healthy and ready to go. Now... Was he at the beginning of the season? Was he four weeks ago when we, you know, four or five weeks ago, KB, when we went through this entire charade of is he going to go on the pup list? And they have to, you know, remember on that Wednesday, they got to make a decision on Jonathan Taylor. Like in the notion, a lot of people, whether it's fair or unfair, is that it was a hold in and he was out of options and he went on pup. And you could even say, and we had the argument, well, why did they put him on pup? And maybe it gives you four more weeks to figure out if you can trade him. Like I look at it and say, okay, if JT is happy, is that BS? Is he happy? Like, is he really happy? Is he looked? Is he looked around the NFL and realizes that a team's willing to give up very, very little to get him, and some of the teams that were are either not very good, like the Chicago Bears, or obviously don't need him, like the Miami Dolphins. I'm using those two. Now, a team like Green Bay could use him. A team like Cleveland uh, perhaps is still in there, but maybe they're putting the ball in JT's court that, hey, he's happy, he's feeling good. Uh, you know, the out there is he's got to put the pads on, he's got to go through these practices back in kind of the swing of the NFL, but I don't know. Steichen's giving positivity to all of this, and I just don't know how to read it because it's the first shred of positivity we've had about Jonathan Taylor since I've been here. Well, and Andy, I'm always a believer that actions speak more than words. I have not seen Jonathan Taylor at a Colts team function, practice, or game in over a month, and I see a lot of injured guys attending practice. I see a lot of injured guys attending games. He's not happy. Taylor is not not one of them. So, you know, Steichen's positivity, you know, he obviously He's communicating directly with Taylor. I would say, is that more just, I have no other choice. Like, Taylor has, yeah. no, you know, Taylor's got to view this as, okay, you've got four games, Sunday being the first of those four, as a possibility to audition yourself to the rest of the NFL. Because four games 
leads into the October 31st trade deadline. So he is, again, eligible to play on Sunday if you would like him to play. Uh, But even if he doesn't, he still has three more games at Jacksonville, home to the Saints, home to the Browns, to play before that October 31st deadline. But again, I'm going to echo what I did say in that opening segment. And even if Taylor is just content or you know is realizing I have no other choice, I have to play, a Taylor Richardson Moss trio of runners with Shane Sykin's offensive creativity, that has got to be extremely intriguing to Colts fans and to Shane Steichen about what he can do with that. And it's a team right now that lacks explosive playmakers. And if you look at Sunday with your wideouts combining, your top three wideouts combining for four yeah, catches, say four catches, yeah, you need more from something offensively. And can your run game provide that? And then obviously the byproduct of that would be it opens up a little bit more of that passing game. I thought Shane said something interesting yesterday as well of like, the return of Taylor, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, allows Richardson to just kind of take some plays off. And by that, I think he means this. If you watch the Colts rushing attack right now, almost everything is a zone read. It, AKA it's Richardson, razzle-dazzle to get five yards. Richardson has right. an option to run it right. on virtually every play. He's having to make a decision with Taylor. That's not the case. Right. So now it's like, can you just hand it to Taylor and say, here you go, man. <laughs> Give no me matter five what yards. happens, yeah. you're getting the ball here. Can you just hand it to Zach Moss and not you know, have Richardson involved as an option on every single play? Uh, that certainly, I think, is a possibility that the Colts feel like they haven't had yet this year. Wake up call on the fan. Reminder, Rick Harlow coming up at 8 o'clock. Greg Doyle at 9 o'clock. You know, KB, what's interesting as well, I, I it's funny that you just led right into that because I wrote down, uh, Is am I even a, are we allowed to even wander into the conversation of, hey, you know, if he does come back this week or next week, What's he going to do for the team? <laughs> we we haven't had that conversation. Well, like you brought it up today, and I can understand why we haven't had the conversation, but we have not had the conversation of, okay, now we see what AR can do with his feet. We know a little bit about him. We know a little bit about Shane Steichen. We know that Zach Moss is tough as hell, right? Like we, These are things that we have learned this season. Uh, and then you throw Jonathan Taylor into the mix. I, I mean, to me, if I'm a Colts fan, man, I want to see this guy on Sunday bad. Like, I am itching to see this guy. I mean, they need playmakers just anywhere on the field, and you're not going to get any midseason. You're not going to be able to go get a guy who's on the street, practice squad, somewhere else. This is, I mean, this is the only chance you're going to get all season to add yeah, this a, is big the big time, yeah, a big time player uh, is right now whenever you get a guy like this coming off an injury, pup, whatever it may be. And even if he is unhappy with how things have been handled between him and the Colts, Taylor still has to give his best effort if he wants to audition for the 31 other teams. So the byproduct of that is the Colts are going to benefit from that because there's going to be individual success from Taylor is going to equal some sort of team success. And that obviously is going to help out Indy right now and a 2-2 two and two football team that, again, I think is struggling to find some offensive playmaking if it's not created by their quarterback. I did want to mention this. The other guy that was eligible to return yeah. this week this one bothers was me. tight end Jelani yeah. Woods. Uh, Shane Sykin said yesterday he remains on injured reserve. Again, a hamstring injury extremely nagging. He had a setback in training camp with it. I think there's debates about, you know, was he out of shape in the offseason? Did the Colts push him too much to get back from the hamstring? I think it's a lot of kind of he said, she said, not as public as the Taylor situation. Woods is still present at the Colts building through all of this. But this is a really intriguing guy. You took him the third round, and it's his second year, and he had some individual moments late last season, and you want to see more from him. And now it looks like his stay on injury reserve will continue. Yeah, the Jelani Woods injury, I meant to to write that down along with all the different guys that are going through concussion protocol and obviously Flowers and the Achilles injury and everything else. Jelani Woods was a guy that I was excited to see just about as much, I mean obviously not as much as Anthony Richardson, not as much as, oh hey, how is this uh, Jonathan Taylor stuff gonna, you know, shake itself out, but like Jelani Woods was like third or fourth on my list of, you feel like there's something explosive there, right? 
right? Like he can do something maybe that some other guys can't do, and he showed you. He gave you a little taste at the end of last season, right. and now you're not getting any of him. He now, I mean, when he goes back on IR, I'm ignorant here. How long does he? I mean, so he can, have to spend four weeks, yeah. just like Taylor right. had to spend four weeks on pup, and now technically he's, he's he can weeks. return at any point, right? Um, but again, they're not calling him up to practice like they are with Taylor. Yeah, so, so it's not this, this week. This is going to linger. Yeah, it's not going to be a, what next week. You, you know, it's going to be next week, right? I mean, so you're looking at the next two games he's not going to be a part of. He's I mean, starting to get into the middle of the right. season. This is a guy you thought could be a starter uh, in, uh, in, in the NFL. Is it wrong? Do you think Rick Carlisle has seen the Jimmy Butler hair? <laughs> Someone sent that to me. I'm it's a sure. great question. Rick Carlisle strikes me as one that's in the group family text where the daughter sends something. Oh, and is he, he? And he responds every fifth. Well, we might have to ask him that. Mark, have you seen it? I know you're a Chicago guy. You know Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Jimmy Butler. Jenny Butler. Is that what they're calling the emo vert? Did he give a name for the yeah, emo? He said he was emo. He was listening to like. Did he change his name at Sunday all? while he was getting Fall his hair boy. done? Yeah. I did think yesterday, and again, Rick, Rick Carlisle is going to join us here in just a second. Uh, I do like, you know, in particular the Bruce Brown comments of, okay, we had the team dinner last night, and the long talk was tired of losing, and that needs to change. And I thought it was really interesting that I, I've kind of forgotten this. You know, Tyrese Halliburton, Andy has not been on a winning team since his freshman year at Iowa State. Oh, yeah, State. it's Sacramento and then the first couple here, yeah. In his last year at Iowa State, yeah. they were, I mean, he hasn't been, I think I looked it up, better than eight games under 500. And again, I don't want to act like I'm ripping him for that, but this is the time of just 25 to 35 wins. It's time to take that next jump. So we'll chat with Rick Carlisle on the other side about that. Greg Doyle at 830. Thank you for tuning in. Beautiful Tuesday. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Here in Indy. All right, 8 o'clock, hanging out with you. Wake up call, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton. Me and Mark licking our wounds from another rough NFL <laughs> weekend. Nicer things. We get to talk some NBA Pacers practicing Pacers Sunday, 7.30 in Memphis to kick things off there preseason-wise. And we head to the Payless Liquors Hotline. The head coach of the Pacers, Rick Carlisle, joins the show here on this Tuesday. Coach, a very happy morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Uh, the excitement level around this team, you get, it's palpable. Uh, I can i can feel it uh, in the city and in the studios here. I'm sure you can feel it as well. Uh, what do you think about your team as practice kicking off, and we're going to find out what the Pacers can do this season? Well, looking forward to a highly, highly competitive training camp. We've got uh, really... 15 guys that can really play um, on the veteran side of the roster. We've got three two-way guys that uh, are real competitive. So 18 guys in camp, um, you know, a lot of versatility on the roster. 
some unknowns, you know, with Obi Toppin uh, joining us and uh, Bruce Brown now being on board. But uh, we believe these guys fit in well. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, some, some of the excitement for me are just some of the unknowns that I think we're going to unlock here in the next week or two. Coach, thanks for the time on this Tuesday morning with camp opening up. You just mentioned the depth, 15 guys. That, to me, is what stands out the most about your roster. What do you think will kind of be the tiebreaker for you guys as a staff in deciding you know, starting roles, minutes, when it comes down to really so much depth and depth that I haven't seen the Pacers team have in quite some time? Yeah, I think impact on winning, um, overall impact on winning, you know, for us, you know, to play, to continue building our offensive identity, we got to play fast. We got to play random. We've got to be totally unselfish. We've got to become a better decision-making team at the rim. Um, defensively, you know, we've got a long way to go. And uh, signing Bruce Brown was a real step in the direction of adding another, you know, a, a tier one defender, you know, on um on NBA metrics, Bruce is a tier one defender. We've got a couple of two or three other guys that, that are getting close to that level. Um, and we feel they can get there, but we've got to elevate the level of our entire team. And, you know, a guy like Bruce can be a difference maker. Um, and so uh, we've got a lot of work to do there. You mentioned the long ways to go on defense. Certainly you have one of, if not the best rim protector in the league in Miles Turner at the rim. Uh, how do you go about getting better on the defensive end, and how much does it boil down to being better out on the perimeter? Well, you hit it in the head. I mean, a lot of it. <laughs> one of the reasons Miles has such great shot-blocking numbers is that there's people getting biased on the perimeter all the time. And so... Um, that comes down to closeouts, one-on-one defense, and then playing out possessions until you come up with the ball. And so yeah, I, this is going to be a very competitive camp, and not, not just from the standpoint of competing for minutes, but we're going to be competing uh, with a lot of one-on-one, with a lot of two-on-two um, you know, sessions where, you know, we're, we're playing it out till we get a winner consequence for losing, you know, um, <laughs> you know, you get, you get a stop, you stay on stops, you know, count as scores. I mean, we, we've really got to dig deeper and, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the other things that I'm looking forward to in camp is, you know, which guys can uh, have the appetite to get better from purely an effort standpoint. Uh, I know we all have the ability to do it, but, you know, as a coaching staff, we're going to have to be more demanding. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to this because I think there's a real potential for upside here. But, um, you know, it it doesn't just happen because you talk about it. Rick Carlisle with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, just the last thing on the defense and we can move on to to other things. Yesterday you said, well, it's scheme, but it's also grit. You used the word grit uh, yesterday in your preseason remarks. Do you know who has that grit on defense besides Brown? Who else has that? Do you think will be able to do that this season for you? Any idea? I mean, I have an idea, but you know, I also feel that we can unlock that in in a lot of our guys. And you know, I don't want to put anybody out there by you know naming other guys and not them. I mean, every year, you, you know, as an NBA coach, you've got to view as a clean slate, and you've got to believe that there are you know real possibilities to improve. But on the one hand, and on the other hand, you know, I've got to be the standard bearer for that. So. This is an exciting time. I mean, and, and the thing I said to these guys two nights ago, we had our we had our team meeting over at uh, Chad Buchanan's house. He's got a he's got a gym in his house. He, he <laughs> nice. And his son, yeah, no, it's, it's places. No wonder Trey's such a good player. <laughs> yeah, I mean Trey Trey works out at six o'clock in the morning every day, and uh, it's it's really pretty cool. But. Um, one of the things I, I said to these guys is that this is going to be hard. Um, we've got to expect it to be hard. We've got to want it to be hard. Uh, opening night, we play, you know, a Washington team that appears to be blowing it up and, you know, kind of starting from scratch. Well, that's going to be a bitch of a game. 
and you know the the favorable part of our schedule really is in the first couple of months and so we've really got to be ready um you know when the ball goes up on whatever day that is i guess it's the 25th or something like that so you know we're looking, we're looking forward to it but uh none of this stuff's easy yeah, three weeks from tomorrow, the regular season opens up for the Pacers. Again, first day of training camp today. Rick Carlisle joining us right here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Rick, you had a really interesting comment to me back when Tyrese Halliburton signed his extension this offseason. You were, I thought, extremely candid in really saying that the franchise was in a bit of a dark spot when you guys were approaching that trade situation and then what Tyrese has done for you and the franchise obviously has certainly created much, much more light. Could you share exactly where you guys think you were at um, at that point and exactly what Halliburton has done uh, for the franchise? Well... I'm a little reluctant to go backwards and, you know, bring up negative things, but, um, you know, at that time we were a team that um, was playing an uninspired brand of basketball. We didn't have a great, uh, much of an identity. Really our identity was, you know, our two bigs. And there was a lot of talk about how that, you know, could never work and was, working a little bit in stretches but not not that much not that well and the irony of it you know domas and miles playing together was uh, was our best pairing in a plus minus basis but we were still a team that was well under 500 and we weren't shooting the ball particularly well and you know you could you could just go on and on we were last in the league in dunks so we were we were not athletic and so you know, when the opportunity for the Sacramento trade came up, I mean, God, you know, you, you hate um, moving a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, and, you know, he's a multiple all-star, and, you know, he's the kind of gritty competitor that, you know, th- this kind of market really, um, really loves and all, and, and all that, but... Um, to get great players, you got to you got to trade great players. And in this in this case, you know, um, the trade really really worked out because it's been a great trade for both franchises. You know, Sacramento made the big jump last year. Um, things have things have turned here. The direction is pretty obviously going the right way. And we needed shooting. And Buddy Heald has been you know has been great as a shooter for us and had a historic year shooting the ball last year. So. Those were positives, you know. We got Jalen Smith on board. He's an athletic big, um, and a lot of other good moves happen. You know, when the big trade was made, all of a sudden Isaiah Jackson was playing. And that certainly raised our our dunk quotient, you know. And it just became more excitement around the team, and um, and we've continued to add to it. So, you know, that's where it is. And uh, you know, I, and I think. This is just a time where, you know, this is a really important year for uh, Tyrese and all of our veteran guys. I mean, these guys want to want to get to a higher level of competing, a higher level of winning. And uh, so, you know, we're going to have to do the work. How cognizant do you have to be of Buddy's contract situation and how he maybe feels about his role, especially if it is more of a bench role this season? I talk to Buddy every day. I mean, we have very direct, candid conversations about a wide, wide, wide range of topics. You know, he's just a, he's just a, a guy that brings a certain sort of twinkle and spark to, into the gym every single day. Um, you know, I, I admire his level of confidence as, as a player, and, and he's a guy that, you know, for me, one of the reasons I'm not concerned about this situation and really believe it's going to work out for the best whatever happens is that he's one of these rare guys that has such great confidence in his ability um, no matter what the situation is how chaotic it is you know and this is by no means a chaotic situation I mean he's going to show up and play the same way you know and he's proven that uh, time and time again over his career so you know we'll uh, we get into camp um, you know, a lot of this no- noise will go away about his contract stuff, and 
it's the guy's in the gym for two hours yesterday after uh, after media day just shooting by himself just because he loves stealing the ball and loves watching it go in. Rick Carlisle with us here on the fan on this Tuesday, hanging out on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Obi Toppin, what do you think you have with him? What can you unlock with him as a coach? Well, we don't know exactly what we have. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, we've watched um, – our five-on-five games, you know, during the fall. And uh, I'll tell you this, I, I've never seen a guy that rim runs as fast or faster than him in my life. I mean, he had, he just has a knack for getting down the court. And if you watched our games against New York last year, I mean, he hit us for two or three breakaway dunks, like, virtually every game. And I think it was one game where he hit three or four. And so... His speed uh, in transition will, will be a, a great asset to us offensively. Um, you know, on metrics, he's a, he's a guy that's that's got to rebound better. Um, he's got to uh, got to become a better one-on-one defender because he's played the four position a lot. There's a lot of switching, you know, one through four in the NBA. A lot of times he gets switched on to smaller guards that are quick, and he's got to learn how to sit down, use his length. Um, and he is a guy that has, uh, you know, terrific quickness for a guy his size. Um, stay, keep people in front, and then go help us rebound the ball. So, uh, in in a lot of ways, we don't really know exactly what we have with him, and that's going to be one of the other really interesting things we get into starting today. Again, Rick Carlisle is with us here. Appreciate the time on this Tuesday morning as training camp gets underway for the Pacers uh, today. Rick, what was the most fun thing you did this offseason? Oh, goodness. Most <laughs> fun thing. I, I, I tell you what it probably was. Um, our daughter, Abby, um, is a first-year student at the University of Virginia, which is my alma mater. And so in August... We took a four and a half day trip to drop her off at school, and I mean it was it was just tremendous, you know. <clears throat> now when you when you send a kid to college now, um, and there's a geographic you know distance or whatever. So we got there on a Thursday. Um, actually, we got there on a Wednesday. Thursday was the day we were going to go to this dorm where the mailroom is. And so we went, and they had, her, her and my wife had sent 27 packages oh, man. Uh, oh. in, advance, in, advance, in advance of her move-in. And so we went to the mailroom. We got online. We got in there early. We got the 27 packages. And then, and then Thursday wasn't the move-in day. So, we, so I said, hey, why don't we go bang on the door? You know, maybe there's somebody there. Maybe there's a way we can you know, get in there. So we go bang on the door for sweet. And she's at University of Virginia, and her RA answers the door. And we said, hey, I know tomorrow's our movement day. Is there any way we can get in today? She goes, sure. And so we spent the next three hours getting her moved in and getting her room set up. And her roommate wasn't even there yet. So that's Thursday. Friday was her real movement day, and all her sweet mates comes in. She had eight sweet mates from all over the country, which was really interesting. And then... Uh, you know, we didn't leave till Sunday, but it was a it was a great four days. You know, I still have a lot of great friends at, at UVA, and she's had an amazing six weeks. Every day is better than the last, and so you know, I, I, we obviously hope it continues that way. Gosh, I have some I have well, some vivid images <laughs> yeah. of moving in. I'm picturing Rick Carlisle like battling dads for the elevator and like trying to make sure all the boxes get into the uh, room r- room two eleven. It's much Abby. more organized now, KB. I believe it's much more organized, Coach. I just moved here like two months ago, and I'm still now for the last two months. I swear, Amazon shows up to my house just about every day, every single day. Yeah, well. Well, here's, here's one of the things that happened that day. There was a little brother of one of the girls moving into the suite who was telling me he was a big basketball fan. <laughs> oh, no. And that he liked, he liked Virginia, but he really liked North Carolina. I said, bro, let's go. You're going with me. And so <laughs> yeah, you we can't out, do that. And I got in the car and, dro- and drove over to John Paul Jones Arena and went to the basketball <laughs> office. And I introduced him to Tony Bennett. <laughs> yes. And we, uh, Great. And he put on he put on Tony Bennett's championship ring. And we got pictures <laughs> in front of the trophy and all that kind of stuff. And 
now this now this kid is a Virginia fan. So, you know, that was one accomplishment of the weekend. Speaking of defense, Tony Bennett. That. Speaking yeah, of exactly. defense, he met uh, Tony Bennett. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. All right, Rick, one more from me. Um, I, I think listeners of this show will know it's pretty well documented, my um, my affinity for Benedict Mather and absolutely love how he is wired. Certainly his rookie year had a lot of positive moments and certainly room for, for growth. How do you view year two from a guy that, again, from afar, I think is pretty uniquely wired? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, he's he's terrific. He's, uh, you know, it's hard to get into exactly everything that, that I believe he's about, but uh, he has a real thirst and a real hunger for greatness. Um, greatness is a very daunting word to throw around. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing is going to obviously take some time, but... He's a guy that I believe can be a really high-level two-way defender in this league. Defensively, he's going to have to make some strides. Um, as you mentioned, he's got the wiring for it. He's got the toughness for it. Um, you know, he's got to understand that. You know, for this franchise to go where we believe it can go in the next two or three years, I mean, he's going to have to be one of these. Um, wing players in the NBA that can not only go out and, and, and have big night, consistent big nights scoring the ball, but can take on the challenge of, of guarding, you know, the, the Jalen Browns, the Jason Tatums, you know, Hardens and guys like that. And um, man, that's a lot. And so, uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot, um, there's a lot for him to continue to learn, but uh, every day he comes in and he busts his ass and he works and, you know, on an almost weekly basis, he's he's coming to me or one of one of my other coaches on the staff saying, "Hey, you know, coach me hard. You know, I want to be great. I want to be coached hard. You know, and hey, what else can you ask for? You know." Um, so, you know, he's a young guy, and it's I think he's just turned twenty, which is wow. yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the possibilities are are amazing. Um, but I think our fan base is, is going to have to understand and, and have some patience and, and just understand that this is not all going to happen overnight. But uh, but he's a guy that's very important to us, obviously. Coach, we'll get you out of here with this one. Uh, I always got to do a ha-ha at the end somewhere. Did you did you happen to see Jimmy Butler's hair yesterday with the Miami Heat? Did you see his hair? If not, ask your players if they saw it. No, I did see it. Okay. I, I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was uh, was interesting. It, <laughs> was that his real? Was that his real hair, or was that a wig? Uh, I, I, I yes, believe it was I, real. Yeah, I believe um, it was really yeah. straight. He straightened it out. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Andy and I aren't. You know, we we yeah. don't really share in the hair. Uh, no. sort of. We wear hats every day, coach. Uh-huh, There's yeah. a reason. Yeah, we don't have the ability yeah. to pull that off. <laughs> yeah. Well. Listen, I I don't ever I don't ever judge guys like Jimmy Butler. We got to play against those guys. <laughs> You're damn right you do. Yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever he does is fine with me. You know, I, I thought it, I thought it was pretty cool, pretty ballsy. Well, shout out to Abby and congrats on the move in. I'm sure that was quite the experience. I'm sure a bit emotional for you as well. And looking forward to this season. As I said to you last night, Coach, um, I, I think expectations should be high. You guys got some wonderful depth and uh, eager to see how it all plays out. So uh, good luck with the start of training camp and appreciate the time here on this Tuesday morning. All right, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. 
Appreciate Rick Carlisle joining us. Good stuff from him. If you missed any of it, you can catch it on the replay on YouTube. Hit up uh, 107.5 The Fan. Uh, you can also check out the website, 107.5thefan.com, Apple Podcasts, many places to do that. And you can also do that with Greg Doyle, who is up next here on the program, hanging out with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg Doyle, columnist there uh, at the Indy Star. Greg, happy morning. How are you? Well, I'm good. But uh, I don't understand no. why. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I'm, I'm nervous where you're going with why, this, Greg. Uh, why? Yeah, you don't like where I'm going? Well, I don't like where I've been. I don't understand <laughs> why Kevin Pritchard, I'm sorry, not Kevin Pritchard, Rick Carlisle gets to go at eight when that was my time. Like, you guys called me yesterday. Hey, can we have you on? Yeah, I'll come on at eight. Sounds great. I get a, a message a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Rick Carlisle's velvet eight. Can you go anytime? Can you can you go jump in the lake? Can you go straight to hell, Greg? I'm like, yeah, okay. I'll. Mark, is that what you said to him? <laughs> Those were not my exact words. No. Maybe eight thirty is more of the prime drive slot, Greg. Maybe I wanted eight. Yeah, we were doing it for you. We moved you back 30 minutes for you. It wasn't. It had nothing to do with Rick Carlisle. Yeah, I was a bystander in this conversation between uh, Mark and uh, Kevin Bowen. You know, I, uh, the, the, I I didn't think I was going to say this, but um, and don't cringe. This is going to be bad. It's just going to be something promoting something I'm working on. Go figure. But you know, when you just said that's right, Greg, we, we moved you back for your sake. <laughs> um, I'm writing about the IHSAA today. I don't know when the story's going to post, but I'm writing it today. And frankly, I've not been sleeping well for a couple of days because it's a big one. And it's a big one, not like some I've written before where here's a kid that got screwed. You're not going to believe this. You know, those are those are easy, honestly. I mean, they suck, but they're easy. This one's harder because this one I've, I'm trying to explain exactly why the IHSAA sucks and why no one has fixed it, despite the fact that everybody pretty much agrees the IHSA sucks. And so, to me, this is a very important story, and I've not been sleeping great. But, but anyway, the reason I'm bringing that up is that is that one of the things they've done among the many, many, many things they've done is they removed lawyers from the review room, the appeal room. In other words, if you're a kid and you've tried to transfer and play somewhere, and the IHSA said, sorry, you, you can't play, and then you appeal that decision – they until last year you could have a lawyer with you just because just because you're you know your parents and, and your your blue collar probably you have no idea what's going on your kids scared to death and, and the HSA has the whole system's gamed up against you but let's have an attorney in there who can at least help you yeah and the HSA had an attorney too and their guy was mean as a snake and that's been well documented by well by me and so the HSA's decision was we're going to remove attorneys from the room. And now, so now, yeah, the mean of the snake guy's already retired. So he's gone anyway. So it didn't really matter. They didn't help anybody by getting rid of that guy. He was retiring anyway. But they removed attorneys, and now kids and families are going in there with nothing. They go in there with nothing, and the HSA, they don't need an attorney because they're, they're running the show anyway. They don't need an attorney to kick your rear end in that room. So I asked the HSA a couple of days ago. I was, had a meeting with them. Like, why'd you remove attorneys from the room? And they said, we did that to, uh, to, so families wouldn't have to avoid, you know, pay for an attorney. We're trying to save them some money. I'm like, <laughs> right. oh, you, did that, for, you yeah. did that for the families, did you? That's like, that's like you telling me you moved me to 830 for me. No, you didn't, <laughs> you liar. Just like I told them. You're lying to me there. You're lying to me here. Everybody's lying to me. Let's talk Jonathan Taylor. Speaking of that. <laughs> Greg Doyle with us. Yeah, what a transition! By yeah, Greg. what a well. I appreciate Greg transitioning because you or I were going to have to transition, which would have been maybe even more awkward. Again, that piece. Uh, be looking for that in the next uh, few hours, day or so. Greg Doyle with us here on the fan. Um, what do you make of Shane Steichen's words yesterday of Jonathan Taylor? How much of that do you believe? And uh, look into your crystal ball. What do you see happening here? You know, Shane has uh, – I've, I've come around on Shane a little bit in, in that when he first got here – and I wrote about this last week, so I, try, I tried to put into words finally once and for all, you know, why I'm coming around on Shane, if people notice the change in my tone, is that when he first got here, he was given this, this rattlesnake in the locker room. Jonathan Taylor, your best player, doesn't want to be here. And he's a new coach, and he's trying to – you know, but Taylor hasn't been traded yet. They're, they're hoping he plays. And so Dykin's trying to dance the line where he gives us something – but doesn't give us much and doesn't tick off Taylor. And that's a hard thing to do, and, and, and it came across as very disingenuous. And so I kind of, every time he spoke, pointed out that you're not helping. You know, you're not, you're not helping anybody. Now I realize he was actually trying to help everybody. He was trying to give us a little bit of something, trying to protect the privacy, trying to make sure Taylor knows he's welcome. 
and it just didn't work. Um, so I, I at least understand his motivation. He wasn't being a Belichick with us. He was actually trying to help everybody out. It just didn't work. That, having said all that, um, I don't believe him when he says Taylor's excited to come back. I don't believe that, but I also know what he's doing. He's They hope Taylor plays this year and plays well. They, they want Anthony Richardson to not get hurt. And if, if Jonathan Taylor's running for 125 yards a game, defenses can't just tee off on Richardson. So they're, they want him to play. They want him to be happy, whether they keep him for long term or not. They've got fit 14 more games for Richardson or 13 to get through. So they want him here. They're not going to say anything for Taylor or his very sensitive agent, those two babies, to get upset about. So do I believe Taylor's excited about being here? No. He doesn't want to be. He's a rattlesnake in the locker room is what he is. Greg Doyle, what is your, if you had to put one question to Jonathan Taylor, whenever he does talk to the media, what would be the top one? What changed? What, what changed? And, yeah, where, where did you go? Because you were one way a couple years ago. Where did this come from? And he, what was he going to say? I mean, he's not going to say anything, but I, I want to know that. Like, where, where did you go, Jonathan? Because we loved you. And we didn't love you because you were you you accepted the money you got and kept your mouth shut. No, no, no. He, I mean, he's he, great in the community, very smart, humble, the kind of guy that that you ask him about his runs and he's talking about his offensive lineman. You know, it was all about everybody else. It wasn't about him at all. And now he hires a new agent. I know it changed, but he hires a new agent. And now everything's about him. Everything's about him and to the point that he's not even going to play unless you make him because he doesn't care about this team. He wants his money as if $4 million this year isn't enough. You know, go figure. Do you think this is simply Taylor just being like, I've got no other choice. I have to play, and I have to play for this team. I guess judging by some of your comments, it seems like that's kind of where you're at. This is not necessarily Taylor being like, oh, yeah, this relationship has been repaired, and you know things have been mended. It's more of just, what else am I going to do? If he wanted to be here, if he really wanted to be here, and I mean in the grand sense, I don't mean because he couldn't play for four weeks, but if he really wanted to be here, he wouldn't have gone on pup anyway because he – he was fine. He or he'd was, show up to practice? Yeah, or show up to practice or travel with the team. I mean, he doesn't want to be here. I I know how fans are of every, in every city of every team. You know, your player is going to say, Taylor might say, he might say the words, I want to be here, and people are going to come after you and me and say, how dare you? You got it wrong. You see what he said? You Come on. Please. Please. We're already voting for people that are lying straight to your face. And I, I don't even understand that. But don't tell me. Like, that's not my purview. Stick to sports. Okay, I'll stick to sports. John Taylor can he, – he can't pee on me and tell me it's raining, okay? <laughs> he can pee on me, unfortunately, but it's not raining, okay? I know what it is. Greg Doyle with us uh, from the start. I have an image of Jonathan there. Taylor peeing on Greg Doyle, and yeah. that's not going to be a pretty sight for me today. <laughs> this is why he's at 8.30. Because oh, of that image. It's an 8.30 audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the, the kids are in school. Greg Doyle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. As for the team, 2-1, uh, and one, Greg, and you know everyone loving on him and everything else after the Baltimore game, uh, and then a disastrous first half against the Rams. They come back. Nice effort, uh, but ultimately lose. Tennessee will be a tough test on Sunday where do you make of uh, what do you make of where this team is a couple weeks into the season here uh, two and one was weird two and one was weird um, you know they, they got the Texans at the right time because CJ Stroud is now he, he woke up so two, two and one was just weird you know it was weird um, that they were two and one I don't know yeah. what to say I don't, no one saw that coming I didn't see that coming the Ravens game was weird I mean that game was just damn weird now look if at the end of the year they're they're, and they won't be. But if they're in the other twelve and five, what I'm not going to do is say, "Hey, twelve and five is weird." No, if you're twelve and five, you are what your record says you are. Three games in the season, you're really not what your record says you are. You're not yet. I mean, you, it's just too early, and teams are finding themselves, including yourself. The Ravens game was weird. So two and one was weird. Um, them getting kind of blown out until the Rams lost interest. It reminded me a lot of the Saints game. Uh, five or six years ago, and I need to go back and read what I wrote because five or six years ago they played the Saints. Might have been eight years ago. They were down something like twenty-four nothing, and when the game was over, then they came back and tied it. I think and lost by a touchdown. I forget something like that. All I remember is that was my orange slice game or orange wedge game because afterwards the Colts were all proud of themselves. They were all Dequell Jackson, Pagano. Mm-hmm. They were so proud of how they came back. And I wrote orange slices for everyone. Winning doesn't matter around here. They tried hard. And I was very upset about how they were patting themselves on the back for for being embarrassed at home until they woke up. This game was a little bit – you know, I kind of patted them on the back a little bit. or At the very least, no, I didn't. I patted Richardson on the back. Mm -hmm. They were down 23-0. That stunk. 
the Richardson showed he's special. So I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, I guess that, that is my answer. Like, why would I be so negative eight years ago and not this year? It, well, because Richardson, it's a whole different story. Anyway, point being, I'm not surprised with two and two. I'm, uh, well, I am. I'm, 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 I'm actually, th- I thought they'd be one and three or oh and four at this point. So I don't, you know, they are what they are. They're not very good. But as I've said, um, I've written, and you guys, we all say this. Richardson is so good. I mean, he's weird. He's weird. He's inefficient. He's weird. He, he, his stats are not like normal stats, but he's so good that they're going to be competitive in some games, and they're even going to win some games. They probably shouldn't, but they're not any good. They're not. Any, I mean, Michael Pittman is your number one receiver. Can we stop asking that question? Like, can we please? I, I listen to y'all station off and on all day, especially now that you got rid of that clown at noon. I listen, I'm now inclined to listen to you guys more. I, I hear all the time, is Pittman a one? No. Let's ask a better question. Is he a two? Is he a two? Mm-hmm. Or on a really good team, is he a three? But it, a, a one? I'm getting angry. Is, is someone pissing on my on my head again Tell me it's raining? Because he's not a one. <laughs> not, well, it's not me. By the way, I think I found the game. Uh, Sunday, October 25th. Uh, and that's going back to, hang on just a second, 2015. 2015, the Saints won in Lucas Oil 27-21. The Saints got up 20-0 at halftime. I think they even led 27-0. And then the, Skull, uh, the Colts scored 21 unanswered. 27-21, that was your final. You're not quoting me because I, I had some gold in that story. I remember just I was so mad. I was so mad. And I'm like bringing up orange wedges and, and youth soccer, and I was so angry. But, yeah, that, that sounds like the game. In my defense, and I don't have much, but in my defense, I got here in in 14, and the Colts were like, I don't know, 5-2 and two when I got here. They were, you know, that was obviously the AFC Championship game season. And when I got here, they fell off a cliff. They started getting blown out by everybody by 30. They got to the playoffs anyway, won a couple games, got to New England, got blown out. And since then, it's been injuries and just a downhill slide and Pagano talking nonsense and, and, and Trent Richardson and, and Grigson having no idea no idea what he's doing. And it's just the one thing after another. And, and now we've got this. We've got Jonathan Taylor. Like, I, I don't want to be negative. Everybody's like, why are you so negative? Like, well, do, you, do you pay attention to the team I cover? What do you, what do you want me to do? Greg, uh, the one and only Greg Doyle, by the way, is with us in case you didn't know. Uh, I'm trying to find that article for by the, the way. Indianapolis yeah. Star. Greg, um, this your is Googling cool. skills. Your Googling skills suck. They do. <laughs> Google Doyle, Colts, Saints, and Orange. And then, do, and then 2015. Yeah, well, I do recall a, a beautifully painted picture of the locker room with the orange slices in the middle of that room. Um, again, Greg Doyle's with us here. Uh, no easy transition whatsoever to this, but Greg, it's a hat tip, if I will, U.S. Ryder Cup style, um, to what I think of you as a writer. Have you ever thought about and or tried to pursue writing about Ryan Kelly and his wife's story and the beyond tragic loss of their daughter from a couple of years ago and fast forward that to present day and Ryan Kelly announcing, I think it was yesterday on social media, that uh, their twin boys were born at 27 weeks. Uh, uh, They were in Nashville. Emma, his wife, was in Nashville and uh, went into labor and they had to spend three months down there. Uh, I guess she primarily, along with the two boys, had to spend three months down there. They just got to um, come home yesterday. It's unbelievable. Um, so, again, it's just an amazing story. I remember talking to Ryan. Uh, we had him on the show during training camp, and I guess at that point they had had the the two boys, and they just didn't want to share any of that. Um, I guess it's early in the such of the feel-good nature to this story, uh, but have you ever tried to look into that? Because I, I, I think you would certainly uh, give one to um, give it the proper attention and, and write it beautifully. So um, when I get emotional, I get I get cold and I get chills, and uh, and, <laughs> and you. Uh, you bring up Ryan Kelly and what they lost, their, their baby, and uh, and it hurts. Um, I know it hurts them a million times more. But I, I uh, the, the the reason I get so fired up sometimes, especially about the IHSAA, is uh, I'm, I'm a dad, and and Andy, I'm happy about. Sorry, I'm happy that your situation turned out. Thank you. So well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy about that. So, uh, uh, yeah, I. On the one hand, I, I, I want to write about that. On the other hand, I, I don't know that I can. You know, it, it's uh, it hurts too much. And uh, sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll pull it together. Finally, um, 
and this is actually my what has kept me away from from this story so far is that uh, like I, I know what I've written in the past and, and I know how hard I was on everybody who didn't take the vaccine and, and during the COVID year. And I don't mean to bring that up other than to say that I, I know what I wrote and I know the players that I wrote about. And, uh, and I just don't know that I've got the right to, uh, to ask Ryan Kelly to tell me about his lowest and highest moments. I'm not sure I'm the right guy to, you know, if he, you know, I just don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. That's fair. Um, again, Greg Doyle is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Greg, before we let you go, I did want to um, sneak in one Pacers question, and as always, appreciate your candor here on this Tuesday morning with us. I know you wrote about Buddy Heald last week. Um, I guess either take it down the Buddy Heald route if you would like, or just overall Pacers thoughts as they get training camp underway here in Rick Carlisle's third season. Well, um, I, as we are about to hang up, I, I've got a story that's up right now about Obi Toppin. So, and you, we don't have to talk about that, but, but just I, uh, in a nutshell, you'll you'll see a tweet from me coming up soon, saying that Kevin Pritchard has a knack for finding really good, promising young players elsewhere that, for whatever reason, haven't had the chance, the time, whatever. Sabonis, Oladipo, Halliburton, and granted two of those three had better numbers than Obi Toppin. Sabonis only had one year in, but didn't do much to OKC. But they're all, none of them are perfect analogies to Toppin. I get that. But when he sees something, but, you know, Jordan Wara, Aaron Neesmith, those guys, Jalen Smith, those guys were borderline busts. And they come here and they get a chance, and, and they're more than that. So my question is, what is Toppin? Is he, is he an Aaron Neesmith type? Or is he uh, the bonus type? I don't know. Um, that's all I wrote about that. So, uh, but about Buddy Heald and the Pacers, I, uh, you know, he, the, the Pacers were talking him up nicely yesterday. Miles Turner says he's a great guy, but I mean, and I'm sure he is a great guy, but, but what happened in Sacramento happened, you know, he was benched and he didn't like it and he wanted out and he's in the last year of his contract right now. And, and it's, you know, I see parallels to Old Depot several years ago and John Taylor this year. I see a guy that's, you know, sees a big payday, and in his case, probably one last big payday on the horizon. And if the Pacers truly put him off the bench and give those minutes to Matherin, and, and I mean, Grant, he'll play a lot. He'll still play a lot. I mean, Matherin scored 16 a game last year and didn't start much, so he'll play. But will he take it well? You know, uh, in a vacuum, you'd say, sure, he'll take it well. Uh, but we're not in a vacuum. And he wasn't in a vacuum four years ago, and he was in Sacramento, and he wanted out. So I, I'm just my eyeballs on that situation. That's all. I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to ruin the season. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if we're not even asking the question, shame on us because he's done it before. Let's just see what happens now. Craig, thank you for the time. Again, his latest coming out, IHSA related, and then Obi Toppin as well. Uh, Greg, always enjoy our conversations and uh, appreciate this on the Tuesday morning. Appreciate it, Greg. After I cried, everybody gave it a thumbs down. <laughs> Thumbs up from us, Greg. This is why we moved you to 830. Yeah. You're the best. Good good circular move there. Thank you, guys. Bye.